it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to The Swamp, my friends, and welcome if you're new. Today, we're going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true campfire horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. Now, these stories are downright strange. Some of them are paranormal, some of them have some cryptids, apparently, and some of them are just downright strange in general. But, as always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the reddit r slash thedarkswamp, which you can find a link to in the description, if you would like to submit your story. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Now, be sure to punch that like button like you're making fresh Hawaiian punch, and subscribe if you're new, and get ready for these creepy and allegedly true campfire horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. Hey swamp folk, today's episode is sponsored by my friends over at the True Crime Couple Podcast. If you're a fan of true crime, but also love hearing about cases you've never heard about before, this is the show for you. CrimeReads.com listed True Crime Couple on their list of essential podcasts, and they even made the monthly Hot 50 list for Podcast Magazine 12 times. I know, I hear what you're asking. Swamp Dweller, what makes this show different from the rest? Well, host Kay tells her husband John true crime stories, and he, along with the audience, follows all the twists and turns Kay has laid out. They jump right into the account with absolutely no banter. True Crime Couple release new episodes bi-weekly and pride themselves on being respectful to the victims and their families. The point is to get the victims back their voices. You can find True Crime Couple wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Sugar Hill Haunting by Double Exia In 1998, I was in the marching band in Ripley, Tennessee. My friend's mom ran the Sugar Hill Library a big two-story plantation house that was converted into a library. On days we didn't have band practice after school, my mother wouldn't be able to get off work from her job at a convenience store in time to pick me up. So my friend's mom would pick us both up and take us to the library until she could pick me up. On a typical afternoon waiting at the library, my friend and I would put our backpacks in the children's room, which was situated by an unused entrance next to a stairway to the second floor and either goof around with the toys in there, play cards, or just do something to pass the time. Still, my friend was sick on one occasion, and his mom picked me up alone. As usual, I went into the children's room to drop my backpack off, but since I was alone, I decided just to grab a book and do some reading. I can't remember exactly what book it was, but I never did finish it. After reading for about 45 minutes or so, I thought I heard something. I thought it was someone trying to get in the front door, which was a common mistake given the doors weren't marked. So I told them they would have to go around to the other door. I didn't see anyone outside, but I heard the noise again, this time coming up the stairs. It's hard to explain what it sounded like, but the closest I can say is it was like wrapping paper when you're pulling it off the roll. I'd never really been on the second floor at that point, so I wasn't aware of what was really up there but I was instantly curious. 
we weren't supposed to go on to the second floor, but I figured I'd just climb up to the top of the stairs, see if I saw anything, and if I did see something, I'd just come right back down and tell the librarian. If not, I'd just forget about it and go back on reading my book. I have a bad left knee, so I'm not the fastest stair climber on a good day, but I could swear after the first couple of steps I was climbing in slow motion. About three-fourths of the way up, I was hit with this overwhelming sense of unease. It was like I could feel someone's intense hatred of me, like that feeling just before a fight starts. I've seen some freaky stuff in my life before that point, but I just decided to turn around and get my happy butt out of there and go right back down the stairs. Once I got to the bottom of the steps, I felt instantly better, but when I turned to look back up, that feeling seized me again. So I put my head down and walked back to the children's room, where I stayed until we left. Skip ahead to about 2013. The library was moved to a newer, larger facility down the street, and the house on Sugar Hill is now the Lauderdale County Chamber of Commerce. They've switched to using the previously unused entrance as the primary entrance, and the head of the chamber has her office upstairs. They've taken all the bookshelves out naturally, and now one of the room holds pieces of the country's history, such as clothes from different periods, medals of distinguished soldiers, farming implements, and children's toys. What was once the children's reading room is now a smaller conference room where minor business is conducted. A change in my job responsibilities suddenly required me to take my documents there to get the official chamber stamp and signature, and I had to go there practically every other day. I wasn't super thrilled about that, but I didn't have to stay for very long, and I had no say in the matter. For a couple of years, whenever I would go to the chamber, I would meet with the assistant in the smaller conference room that I was oh so familiar with. One day though, in about 2015, the assistant was out and I had to deal with the head of the chamber, a woman named Susan. I walked in and initially went to the small office, but after calling Susan, I was told I needed to bring my documents upstairs to her office. It took everything I had to build the courage to climb up those stairs, but I figured it was easier than getting a new job, so I did it. Susan asked me to have a seat while she completed some other stuff real quick. We exchanged pleasantries and small talk, and after just a few minutes, I decided to go for and ask the question that was burning in my brain. Do you guys ever notice strange things around here? Now, I've been coming here off and on for two years. But up until this point, I've never brought up my experiences to anyone. I expected a laugh, but as soon as that question left my lips, Susan's entire demeanor changed. She immediately stopped writing, put her pen down, looked at me square in the face and said, Why do you ask? I recounted my story to her, and when I finished, she told me about several things that had been going on since she had taken office. She said they would come in the morning and their chairs would be moved out from their desk to random parts of the room, and they would often hear distant muffled laughter. On one occasion, Susan had come inside and heard something squeaking upstairs, and when she went to investigate, she found a tiny antique tricycle rolling itself around her office floor and stopping right in front of her. A few weeks later, after things had continued to happen, Susan had looked into the house's history, and when she told me about it on my subsequent visit, there was a particular part that stuck out to me. The house was initially built over a hundred years ago by a wealthy landowner, and he moved in with his two daughters. His eldest daughter, who was married to a man she didn't particularly care for, and because women were viewed in those days more as objects, 
her husband became the heir to their fortune. After the father died, the daughter became increasingly more frustrated with how the husband handled their futures. One day, the husband was on the second floor arguing with his wife and then he fell down the stairs. It was broadly speculated that she pushed him in an attempt to kill him. He ultimately survived, but he was permanently crippled at the point to where he could not care for himself. He died a few years later and the wife was also suspected of having a hand. Let me tell you, when I heard that bit about the stairs, every hair on my body stood straight up. I immediately thought back to my experience on the stairs and how it felt at the top and bottom. To this day, I've never gone back up to the second story of that building. Activity allegedly continues to this day. Chairs periodically move overnight and some children's toys impact their own. There was an instance when they were renovating and the incident started escalating. At one point, Susan left her office and when she got downstairs, she realized she had forgotten her folders on her desk. When she went back upstairs to collect them, the entire floor was covered in dead flies. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. My Personal Nightmare by Cassie Dia I have a story for you that only my mother and I know about. It was too frightening for me, and I don't openly discuss it. We have never solved it either. It's unexplained to this day. In the summer of my junior year in college, I returned to my mother's house to stay with her. I did that every single summer. My college was about an hour away from her house, so it's not like we were too far, but far enough that we didn't get to see each other on a daily basis. My mom lived with my grandparents in a quiet middle-class neighborhood. The house was older, and there were several acres behind it. There were neighbors to each side, but mostly everyone on the street was elderly, and you rarely saw anyone except when they got their mail. I had practically grown up in that house and knew all of the neighbors fairly well. I always felt safe. One night, early into July, I was walking past the sliding door that opened to the side of the backyard. There were vertical blinds that reached the floor, but there were spaces about an inch wide in between the panels. I stopped and looked through the cracks into the darkness. I had this horrible feeling that I was being watched, but I've never liked being in the dark, so I figured it was my mind playing tricks on me. Sure enough, the next day we would experience a break-in. No one was home, but the front door was somehow manipulated and opened. The hinges holding the door were damaged, which is how they got in. Only my backpack and laptop were taken. Luckily, I had my wallet with me that day. My mother and I went shopping while my grandparents were at one of their many doctor appointments. My grandparents got home first, not noticing the damage but saw the door open. They simply thought we had forgotten to shut it. It wasn't until they went into the bedroom and noticed that one of the safes had been moved. It looked like someone had tried to open it or drop it on the ground. It was a very heavy safe, but small. The safe was tucked away in the closet, buried behind clothes so there was no way anyone could have known it was there. But apparently, someone did. It wasn't opened and everything was still inside. 
The police didn't have any leads and treated my grandparents poorly because they had touched everything. The police also asked if I had any enemies or knew anyone who would want to hurt me. At the time, I, I truly didn't, but only my things had been taken. The following nights, I felt so vulnerable. I slept with my purse and other valuables with me under the covers. About a week later, my feelings of anxiety would get worse. I was continuing my routine of sleeping with my stuff. One night, I woke up suddenly, but wasn't really sure why. As I laid there, I started hearing scratching outside the window. It was slow scratching, but I could hear it, just barely. I couldn't help but feel like I was being watched. I was too scared to move, so I called out to my mom. She came in and used a flashlight but couldn't see anything outside. She knew I had been having anxiety and told me it was just my imagination because of the break-in. I wasn't so sure though, but I wanted to agree with her, so I tried my best to. The next night I woke up to the same sounds again. They seemed louder this time and more forceful. I tried to not wake my mom, but I could feel my chest tightening, and it was hard to breathe. I called out for her, but the scratching stopped. She came in and again she saw nothing. The third night I woke up again to the sound. This time my chest felt like I was being sat on. I could barely breathe and the pain in my chest was unbearable. I again woke up my mom and the scratching ceased. She saw nothing. At this point, my mom was likely so annoyed that she probably wouldn't have come in the next night. In the morning, I got up and sauntered behind the house. I didn't see anything on the ground. I looked up at my window and saw different cuts or scratches on the screen of my window. All over the screen, it looked like it had been destroyed. There were marks on the glass itself as well. My mom would remove the screen saying it was likely an animal or just old, but my grandparents had replaced all the windows only a few years before. I decided to stay at my friend's house for the rest of the summer. I couldn't stand sleeping in that room any longer. As soon as I moved back out of the house, I did not experience the pain in my chest anymore either. I don't believe it was an animal, but I often wonder if it was the same person who broke into the house a few days earlier, or something more paranormal. Honestly, I don't know if I want to know. Even thinking back on the experience, I still feel uncomfortable and worried. It still freaks me out. I'm curious to know what others think. The Leaping Shadow by Chief Chakate. I am Chakate Garcia, or Chief if that's easier to pronounce. I'm currently 21 and live about an hour north of LA in Lancaster, California. First, thank you for sharing this story on your show. However, what I'm about to share with you happened about six months ago. This is not something that I normally talk about, but it's my personal story, and it's 100% true. What I do want to hopefully portray in this story is the sheer amount of terror that I felt. Whatever I had seen this day is something that truly had me fearing for my life. So, without further ado, here is the story. I lived in Rosamond, California, about 30 minutes north of Lancaster, California. I was about 12 years old and my mother had just passed away after battling cervical cancer for about a year and a half. It was a terrible time for all of us. Considering that we were just with her that Monday and she had passed away on a Friday. It hit us so hard that we couldn't figure out what to do with our lives at that moment besides honor her best wishes. We wanted to continue to be a tight-knit family and always have the best relationship possible, just as she would want. About a month after my mother's passing, my brother and sister came over for a visit to see me and my other siblings and cousins. 
being that we still wanted to see each other since our mother passed. We all had this enjoyable game called Dark, which if you don't know what it is, it's hide and seek in the dark but pitch black since we lived on a ranch in the middle of nowhere. To understand why this story gets scary at this moment, you need to see the layout of the ranch house my uncle was staying at and where we were all living since my mother passed. A triple wide trailer that had been modified on the back and front porch to have a wooden front porch with all planks and a makeshift doghouse my uncle built for his huskies. The back porch was a patio bar with a whole glass window overlooking the mountains to the north and didn't have a spotlight. The front porch, while basic, had this super bright spotlight that emitted all over the property, going towards my grandmother's side door to the side patio and garage area slash smoking area. My grandmother's house ran for a basic style brick house from the 70s and then curved into the darkness because she had massive rose bushes that grew all over the side and back of her home. The spotlight and bushes are critical to these stories. We played outside and it was my brother's and my turn to hide while our cousins went out with our older sister and her husband since they were young. My brother and I were immaculate at this game because we knew how many hiding spots there were since we scouted the place before any of them ever came. Behind a white Chevy pickup truck, we were waiting for my sister, her husband, and my cousins to come out when we saw the door open. We had figured our sister's husband, Jonathan, would be coming out since we had seen a shadow cast over our uncle's porch onto the driveway of my uncle's property that went towards the street and my grandmother's rose bushes. The shadow seemed to stop at the porch for a second until my brother and I both looked at each other because we didn't hear footsteps going off the porch like we usually would. Then we look back at the porch, and to this day it still makes me tear up and get chills thinking of this. The shadow leaps over the doghouse like this impossible leap that clears the entire house without even trying. Then without any noise or sign, it looked at me and my brother. It ran into my grandmother's rose bushes and was gone from sight. My brother and I sat there for a second and thought we had seen the shadow of someone. Maybe my cousins messing with us and just wanting to distract us. But the way it moved, it was honestly animalistic. It was crawling around on all fours. There was definitely no way that my younger cousins would be able to crawl like that. Now, our cousin would try to scare us sometimes. However, they were only four or five and couldn't even clear the top of a trampoline without needing help. And most notably, he could barely get to the top of the doghouses without making a bunch of sounds because he loved the huskies. He always greeted them every time he saw them, so there was no way he wouldn't have made noises coming out. My brother and I rushed to the house and ran inside not even concerned that anyone else might be outside hiding or trying to find us. We came inside and everyone, I mean everyone, my siblings, my cousins, my uncle, his family, his sister, everybody, they were all inside confused when my brother and I came in. We had asked why they were confused and they said, we gave up trying to find you guys because the boys, my cousins, wanted to stay in. And since you weren't anywhere, we couldn't find you within five minutes, we decided to give up. My brother and I started to get even more freaked out because after five minutes, they had gone outside towards the back of the property. No one was in front or even going out to the property's front door. After the initial shock of us realizing that no one came outside to the front where we were, we told them about what we had seen and made it a point that it had like a human-like shape but somehow had superhuman abilities. We told them how it jumped over the house, scurried into the bushes, and it was silent the whole time. Mostly everyone thought it was automatically my mother playing with us. Still, my sister Jamie and younger sister Belana 
denied that idea because they knew that it was something crawling on all fours and that seemed more evil and why would our mom want to scare us? We went to the front, the back, and everywhere else on my grandmother's property. We went to my uncle's bunkhouse, but there was nothing there. We couldn't see any evidence of this person or creature. We showed them exactly what happened and even showed them the direction where they leaped and hurried out. They too said either of my cousins couldn't have done that, and nobody else in that family could have done that for that matter. There was no way anybody would have that amount of strength to push themselves over the top of the doghouse and then not get damage or even remotely make any noise. It is, to this day, the scariest thing I have ever seen in my life outside of my nightmares. That house ultimately left a permanent scar because I still have nightmares of something in my dreams that lives on that property and it haunts me to this day. It's like it wants me to find them. I don't know if that thing had any connection to my dreams, but after that night, I have never missed a night without nightmares fueled by that property. Thank you for sharing my story, Swamp Dweller. It's not something I can quite describe as paranormal, or anything extraterrestrial, but I can say that it still reminds me of why I believe my uncle's property is scarred by something beyond comprehension and reason. Real Life Dementor by OK Kaz. This happened around 12 years ago, I guess. I went to my friend's house. It was his brother's birthday, and although I was invited, I was not that close to his brother. He was that kind of guy that likes parties, drinks a lot, and I'm more of the type who likes calm places and some lemon juice. So after almost half an hour of rubbing his dog's belly, I got pretty tired and went inside to meet my friend and we started talking. My friend played Grand Chase while we chatted, and he asked me for help to do something in the game. So I stood about a foot or two behind the chair he was sitting in. My arms went over him, and I had my head over his head, and that's when it all started. From the corner of my eye, right in front of me, I don't know exactly how far, probably around seven meters from where I was, this black figure was standing at the kitchen door. It looked like a Dementor from the Harry Potter series. But it wasn't flying, just wearing very long pieces of cloth, all stripped out. It was dark gray, one piece over the other. It was like many layers of material that would go down all the way to the ground. I couldn't see its face. It was also covered in gray clothing, and all I could spot was the mark of its nose under all of it. It was utterly motionless, staring directly at us. It was not the first time this had happened to me. I was getting pretty used to seeing weird things, but this was so clear and so terrifying that I got pretty spooked. But I was strong enough to think, okay, every time this happens and I look directly at the figure, it disappears. So I will continue playing this game and talking to my friend, pretending nothing is happening, and I'll see what happens next. And that's what I did. I kept playing the game and talking to my friend. This figure was still there, motionless. It bothered me. And I thought, well, you know what? I'm looking at it. F it. I'm tired of seeing this thing from the corner of my eye. And nothing is happening. I want to get out of this loop. So that's it. I moved my head and looked directly at the figure's face. Instantly, when I did that, my vision went blank. It's like all of my senses were shut down. I stopped hearing everything around me. I stopped feeling my body. I couldn't speak. I lost my sight and my knees bent. It was like I lost all strength I had in my legs and I almost fell to the ground. 
I held my friend's chair, hit my back on the balcony behind us. I started sweating, and my heart was crazy. I couldn't breathe well, and it was an entire mess. My friend got scared and asked me what had happened. I couldn't say anything at the time. I was terrified in this moment. I didn't want to believe that this figure had caused all of this. It must be something else. So I thought, well, I do have diabetes. Maybe my blood sugar is low. So I got a cereal bar with me, started eating it, drank a bit of water, and tested my diabetes a minute later. It was something normal. I don't remember the exact level. So it was not low sugar levels that was making me dizzy. I had already had my dinner at the time. It was beautiful. I didn't look up too quickly to cause the dizziness. Like, I just don't know how to explain it. What options do we have left? I still believe this entity made me almost faint by just looking at it. I Lived in a Haunted House by Panner Cakes I would like to preface this story by saying that these events were spread over almost 13 years. I will be citing specific occurrences, so if the timeline seems a little off, it's because it was a long period. Also, this is a long narrative, and it takes a while to get to the haunted parts. However, there is some setup required. Anyways, here we go. When I was almost 10, I moved into a large, two-story house with my mom, dad, brother, and our dog, Peter. We were all happy and healthy, and after not more than three months of living in that home, Peter was diagnosed with lymphoma, and we sadly had to euthanize him. This may seem irrelevant, but remember this part. Fast forward about a year and I started having a reoccurring nightmare. Upstairs, we had this long hallway that led from the living room to my dad's office in my parents' bedroom. I would have this nightmare probably three times a week. I would dream of this tall, skeletal figure in this hallway. It wore a pinstripe suit, and I can't recall the exact details of the figure's face, but I remember it was horrifying. I would wake up, heart pounding and sweating. On several occasions, I would stand at the foot of the hall at night and stare down it, scared that if I went all the way down, I would run into that figure. These nightmares continued for almost four years, but their frequency of them would substantially decrease throughout the years. Not to mention, I had such a pervasive feeling I was being watched, all the while I would be brushing my teeth or doing anything normal at night. I would plaster myself into a corner of my bathroom so nothing could come up behind me. I was terrified that whatever I felt was watching me would snatch me from any corner or any little bit of darkness. It was equally horrific to never feel safe, not even in your own home. Skipping ahead in time again, I'm now 17 years old, and we adopt our new family dog, Cinder. I loved this dog. Even though he was the family dog, he was my dog. Everything was normal while he was a puppy, but as soon as he matured into an adult, he started acting... bizarrely. There were little things like fixating and following something in various rooms, even though there was nothing there. He wouldn't go into one of the unfurnished rooms because, for whatever... He would not go into one of the unfinished rooms we had in the basement, and sometimes he just seemed off. The most notable thing I noticed was one night, before bed, I was walking with him past that long hallway when he suddenly stopped. His hackles bristled, tail straight up, his ears laid flat, while he let out the scariest, most guttural growl. I don't know where he was looking at, at first anyway, 
But then, I looked straight down the hall and matched what he was looking at. I turned on the light to ensure there wasn't anyone there, and even when I did, Cinder wouldn't budge and kept standing in front of me, growling at that damn hallway. This wasn't a one-time occurrence either. Every time I would have that dream a couple of days later, my dog would go through the same behavior. It freaked me out a great deal. Here's where the timeline gets a little fuzzy for me, but I believe I was at least 21 years old in college and still living in that same house. The strange phenomena ramped up. Cinder was still growling down the halls. I still sporadically had that dream. Once I was sitting downstairs just drawing with Cinder lying next to me on the floor. At the time, my mom was coming home during lunch while she was working so she could spend some time with me. We had a security system installed where the alarm would beep any time somebody would open the door. My mom would always do the same thing every day she came home from lunch. Opening the garage door would cause the alarm to beep. She walked through the laundry room into the kitchen where she set her belongings down and sifted through the mail. So downstairs, minding my own business, I would hear the garage door open and the alarm beep. At this time, both me and Cinder listened to this. He perked his head up, wagged his tail, and I thought, cool. Mom's home. Great. Footsteps through the laundry room and aggressive sounds of paper being rifled through. Like, ridiculously loud. I was wondering if my mom was in a bad mood or something. I called out to her, only I don't get an answer. I try again and the sounds of the rifling paper continue. At this point, Cinder and I go upstairs to see what her problem is. As soon as I reach the top of the stairs, I start talking, and all the rifling sounds stop. Then the house falls eerily silent. My first thought, someone is in the house. For one, the garage door didn't open up and there was no beep of the alarm system to indicate another door was opening. So I do what any sane person does. I grab a baseball bat and Cinder and I scout the house. We check every nook and cranny, and we found nothing. No other doors ever opened. No beeps. I talked to my mom late that night and she said she never came home that day. Later, I met my now husband, Logan, he decided to house sit and dog sit for us. One night he calls me and says he's been hearing weird sounds and feels like someone is in the house watching him. I tell him to brush it off, nothing to worry about. If there had ever been a skeptic of the supernatural, it would be Logan. He truly thinks there is a reasonable explanation for everything. Well, one night he was walking to the basement with Cinder past the hallway, and Cinder stopped, stepped in front of Logan, and started growling and staring blankly into this hallway. Unnerved by this, Logan eventually persuades Cinder to come downstairs with him. That night, he had an extraordinary dream about the house, and honestly, he couldn't even remember it now, but he woke up sweating and shaking. That's all he remembers. After this, he finally agreed something about the house was off, but he wasn't about to call it haunted. That all changed after a few months. Downstairs, there was me, Logan, Cinder, and my brother. At the time, my parents were not home. We were all just hanging out and talking. Then we hear this huge bang coming from my parents' room. It was so loud it almost sounded like an explosion or someone dropped a piano through the roof and it landed on the floor in their room. It was deafening. We all froze in shock for just a minute and Cinder barked his absolute head off. Logan and my brother then sprint upstairs and bolt to my parents' room, expecting to find something that explains this monstrous sound. But... There was absolutely nothing. None of the furniture had fallen over. Nothing was out of place. Everything looked as it should. Again, we looked to see if anyone was in the house. But there was nothing. 
We even used a ladder and climbed into the roof to see if anything was on the top. Again, nothing. At this point, all of us are spooked, so we just lock up the house and leave for the day. Other minor strange things were happening between these significant episodes. Footsteps and shuffling sounds all through the day, Cinder acting weird. All my friends that slept over had off feelings about my house, whispering feelings of being watched. All of that persisted. Also, we found numerous dead animals in our yard. We had black widow infestations, things that would go missing or be moved, electronics behaved oddly, just bizarre happenings overall. Lastly, before we sold the house, I have one more clear story I can remember. Last year in college, winter break, I was downstairs up late and just watching TV. My dad usually woke up around 3 or 4 in the morning and would meander until my mom usually got up. At the time, it was around Christmas and we had a lot of containers with decorations out. Boxes, gifts under the tree, everything. At some point around 3am, I decided to head to bed. When I turn off the TV upstairs, I hear rustling and what sounds like dragging. It was almost as if someone was pushing the various boxes and containers across the carpet and moving them back and forth. I figured it was my dad, dismissed it and went to bed. I woke up the following day and saw my dad in the kitchen saying our good mornings and whatnot. Then, very confused, my dad turned to me and said, Why were you up so early moving everything around up here? And why did you move it clear across the room? Stunned, I came back and told him I thought that was him doing it. We stared at each other and didn't know what to say after that. Eventually, we sold the house. Remember, what I said earlier about Peter? Well, it turns out before we moved out, Cinder too came down with lymphoma. The same pattern of illness, same symptoms. Everything was identical to Peter before we had to euthanize him. Damn, I miss those dogs. I don't miss that house, though. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you guys so much for watching these creepy and allegedly true campfire horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. Per usual, if you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. Make sure you slap it around a little bit so it pays you that rent money it owes you. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Be sure to hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications as I upload new videos almost every single day in all things natural and supernatural. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, don't forget to give us a 5-star rating over there as it helps us grow on those platforms. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and pretty much anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. Thank you guys so much for supporting the Swamp. If you would like to support us further, be sure to check us out on Twitch, Instagram, Twitter, and everywhere else you find social media. I'll see you guys soon with another creepy episode. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. 
a laundry? Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.